Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Let's uh, let's stand and pray, guys. Let's uh, just thank God for the word today. I'll lead you in a prayer, if that's okay. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it has the power to transform my life. Speak to me by your spirit and help that preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. You know, God is really, uh, really good. And um, as, a, as a minister of the gospel, I'm, I'm in a position where um, I have to study. How many know I have to study the word? Because I've got to bring the word. And it's always such an, I enjoy it so much as I begin to study and I get into the word, you kind of get in a zone where God just starts speaking to you. How many know what, I, what I'm talking about? I, I talked last week about the reason why I feel some Christians are falling in this season uh, of history. And I really believe it's, for me, as I look at it, there's two main things that are happening. People are taking their eyes, they're taking their focus off the promise. We talked about this in Galatians, how... You know, the promise is the Holy Spirit that would be given to us to be our helper and comforter and, and to uh, transform us from the inside out. How many would agree with that? Okay? And, and if we get our focus off of the, the Spirit of God, which means if we get away from having relationship with God, we just become another religious system. You know, we're trying to uh, just modify our behavior and change. We, like I said last week, we'll go to prayer meetings because it's the right thing to do. We read our Bible because it's what good Christians do. Uh, you know, we raise our kids right because, you know, we're afraid that, you know, the world might influence. And everything gets out of perspective. How many hear what I'm saying? And we want everything to be birthed out of relationship. So for the next little while, I really want to touch on that. I really, really want to dig into that, what that means. The second thing we talked about is living life between the lines. And so as I'm studying, I just, I, it's so great because there, you hit this zone where you see your life between the lines of Scripture. And you say, God, how can I, tra- how can I change? Because I want to see this promise in my life. How many know that some of the promises of God, uh, or all the promises of God, well, some of them, I should say, theologically correct. Some we receive by grace. Others, we, we have to, um, th- there's, there's a condition on the promise. And I, today I want to talk about uh, if, we, if we will fulfill the condition. See, we're all saved. We're all going to heaven because we're, we're not saved by works that any man can boast. It's by grace alone. So you're on your way to heaven, right? And, and so there's a lot of people that have faith to get to heaven, but there's a lot of Christians also that don't have enough faith to get heaven into them. And so I'm not interested in just getting into heaven. I want to get heaven in me. I want his will on earth. I want to see the power of God moving in my family. I want to see transformation in people's bodies. I want to see my community getting saved. I want to see people falling at the altars and saying, I I need to know this God. How How many hear what I'm saying this morning? God wants us to be a people who are pursuing him with this kind of passion. Amen. So the title of my message today is The Way to Inner Peace. The Way to Inner Peace. Somebody want to know what inner peace is? The whole, the whole uh, New Age movement talks about inner peace and finding that place of calm. I, I want to talk about it from a biblical perspective. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, let's go there together. Paul is basically ending his letter. This is his farewell address to the church of Philippi. 
If you want to know the rest of the letter, you've got to read it yourself. We're going to, we're going to chapter 4 here, and I'm uh, just going to start in verse 1. He's, he's, ending, he's giving a, a, a farewell. He says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you, and I long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy. You are the crown I receive for my works. Okay? And then verse 2, he says, Now I appeal to Judea and Syntech, I can hardly say their names, are two women in the church, please, because you belong to the Lord, say, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreements. Settle your disagreements. Now, we understand that these two women, uh, they're leaders in the church in Philippi. We understand that because the next verse tells us here, it says, and I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They're preaching the gospel with Paul. Amen? Say, God will use women. If you're a woman, say, God will use me. Amen? They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Okay? And so we see that these two women, for some reason, they got a disagreement. How many know two women can disagree sometimes? It's like, you know, you know, and, and Paul hears about it. Okay, these two leaders are disagreeing about something. I wish I knew what it was, but they were not in agreement about something and they were not getting along. And Paul says, I, because you belong to the Lord, you have to settle your disagreement. Now, why is it important to settle your disagreements? Here's the answer. Because we belong to the Lord. Amen. And so in the world system, before you're a believer, um, you know, you have this thing where I don't have to settle every disagreement. I'll just put a, I'll build a barrier and I just won't talk to that person. But how many know as believers, Paul is saying that's not, that's not the way to do it. You have to settle your disagreements because as Christians, we should understand that we can open the door to offense. We can open the door to bitterness. And if we don't deal with bitterness, then we become judgmental. And if we don't deal with our judgmental spirit, we can begin to cast accusation. All right? And so say that with me. As Christians, if we open the door to offense, bitterness, judgment, and accusation, it's not a good thing. And so we need to settle our disagreements. Now, I understand sometimes people don't want to settle their disagreements, with you, so you just deal with it on your end, and you, you know, you put up a uh, boundary there. But for the most part, we need to be willing to sit down and say, "Hey, let's settle our disagreements. Let's talk about this. Let, let's let's sit down and have a conversation because God wants unity in the church, and we belong to the Lord, and people are watching how we live. All right, and the, because we are Christians, we understand that the tempter Satan um, will come to tempt us." And temptation isn't sin, but it opens the door for sin if we, give in, if we give into it. Amen? So if you're bitter and angry and you give into it and you punch someone in the head, uh, how many know you've committed a sin? Because you didn't resist the temptation. Okay? So here, here's, here's what I'm, where I'm going with this. So temptation is not a sin, but it creates heaviness of spirit. And what that does is it chokes out the fruit of the spirit in your life. Amen? And so... I don't want to choke out the fruit of the Spirit in my life. 
I want the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, right? I want these things to begin to flow out of my life. But if there's bitterness and offense and all of these things that, that I, and these feelings I'm dealing with, how many know the fruit of the Spirit stops to flow? And so, so Paul is saying that's why you have to settle your disagreements because you need to shut the door. I, I had a family member say something to me that was incre- it was it was very uh, offensive how many of ever had a family member do that and so I, I i dealt with it i prayed and i said god i choose to forgive this person blah 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 and i did the whole thing and i went for six months didn't think about it and in another conversation with another person this person's name came up this family member and all of a sudden i had these feelings of anger i was pacing back and forth going how dare that person say this how dare and i got so bothered by it and i just i prayed and i prayed and i prayed and i couldn't shake the feeling how many have been there and i tried to bury it but it was still there so finally i i called this person said hey bible says if i have an issue or an offense i'm supposed to talk to my brother and so here i am calling you to talk about the situation and we talked it out and we settled the disagreement amen because we don't want to leave a root for the enemy. Because we belong to the Lord. Say, because we belong to the Lord. And we want his fruit flowing in our life. So we have to make sure we deal with this. You know? You know, sometimes we make last-minute decisions without thinking. You know what happened to me? I'll tell you a story that happened this week. You guys want to hear, hear my dirty laundry? Okay. So I'm, I'm, I got, you know, a little car that I've been driving. It's a good car. And we have a budget and a plan on, like, I don't buy cars usually on credit. I just think that's a waste of money. We like to save up, at least have a very big down payment. But my car starts acting up and making all these noises. And I'm thinking, this is going to be a big, big expense. So I'm driving down to Toronto to go to do a hospital visit, and I pull into this used car dealership, see this little car, I fall in love with it. I want to have this car. My other car is going down the road. I'm going to buy this car. So I go to the hospital visit somebody and on my way back from toronto i call the dealer and say yeah i want to see the car so i come back and i test drive the car yeah i do the financing he checks the financing the financing gets approved everything's good i got the financing i got a new car uh, so i go i go home i um wait a few days i'm checking everything out and then i'm starting to feel really guilty because i'm looking at the financing i'm thinking i'm gonna end up paying like a lot more for the car how many have ever done that you look at the interest and the payments, and you start really sitting down and calculating it. Logically, you're saying, this is a really stupid move. And I'm sitting there going. But still, I call the guy, and I said, I'm going to give you a $500 deposit. Hold the car for me. He said, are you sure you want the car? Because somebody else wants this car, too. And I said, no, I'm going to take it. Here's my deposit. Take the deposit. You're good to go. Right? So I put a deposit there. And then... I forgot one little thing. I didn't tell my wife about it. So, Now, how many know that's not, that's not a good thing? And I'm still here. And then, on top of it, my deposit that I had, not, not, my, not my deposit, my down payment, which I thought I had, my wife spent on kids' school supplies. My kids, why would they do this to me? So here I am in the situation now where... I've already arranged, the guy's preparing the car, he's getting everything ready, and we have an agreement. I'm coming after the long weekend on the Tuesday to pick it up. 
He's turned down a couple people because I was in conversation. It was in really good shape, so a few people wanted it. And uh, he, he took all the ads off the um, offline and off his thing, and it was a sole deal. He did, did the paperwork, so it said he invested time. And I'm sitting there just totally convicted because I'm like, I know if I wait a year, you know, I can, I can just go and, and buy this car cash. I'll save some money. But now I'm going to have to pay interest on all this, uh, you know, finance. And so I put the, cor- the cart before the horse. How many hear what I'm saying? Has any- anyone ever done that? So this is what I did. And then I thought to myself, well, maybe I should call my mechanic and have him look at my car. Because I'm thinking it's going to cost me like four grand to fix the car. I bring it in. He looks at it. $500 job. And I'm going, this is so stupid. So I call the guy up. The, and I said, by the way, we're supposed to meet a couple days. I'm out. Uh, he's really upset. So he calls me to say, you, you gave me your word. I never pursued you. You pursued me and all this kind of stuff. And he went on and on. And he said, and you're a pastor, so I didn't even take your credit card deposit that you gave me. But I'm losing money because I could have sold this car twice. Like he was going on about how he could sell the car. And I said, you know what? Because the spirit of God conviction hit me. I said, you know what? I'm going to send you 300 bucks to cover your, your costs for my own stupidity. And I, and I did. I sent him... Because I made a mistake. And, I, and, and, and I'll tell you why I did that in a few minutes, because we've got to go through a few other points, okay? So we'll keep moving here. Let's look at, look, look at what he says here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreements. And I ask you, my true partners, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clements, the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Look what he says in verse 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Um, we're talking about steps to, to having inner peace. Listen, settle your disagreements is number one. And we're going to put up the notes at the end. So you can take a picture if you want, or you can write it down. But this is really key. If you get these things, it'll be good. Okay, so always, number one, say settle your disagreements. Okay. Number two, always be full of joy in the Lord. Say that. He says, again, I say rejoice. Now, I want you to understand this. If Paul is saying always be full of joy, then, then um, it's a choice that we have to make. We have to make a choice, and I want to say this. God's word trumps the doctor's report. God's word trumps your inner voice that might say you're a loser. God's, God's, God's word trumps everything. And you can say, but I, I, I struggle with depression. I, I just feel like I can't get ahead. Listen, I want to tell you something. You have the spirit of the living God living on the inside of you. All you have to do is take a step and say, I choose to believe the word of the Lord, and I'm going to choose to rejoice today. I'm going to choose to declare the things that are positive in life. I choose not to look at the negative things in my life. I choose to look at the Christ in me and what he wants to accomplish. I want to focus on what his word says about me. And when you make that step, the Holy Spirit meets you and transforms you. Now, if you're not a believer and you practice this, it's called um, positive thinking. It is. It is. And I hear people in the church say, well, that's just positive thinking and new age theology. These churches that teach. No, no, no. The devil stole what belongs to the church. And, and positive thinking has some benefit, but it won't transform you. But when you're a believer and you declare the word, it transforms you. So we're going to do a little exercise today, if you don't mind. Let's stand. We're going to just read through a couple words here. And uh, Melanie's going to bring up our PowerPoint. Okay, so can you guys all read that? Hopefully you can. Let's read it together. 
I am a new creature in Christ. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. I have died and been raised with Christ, and I am now seated in heavenly places. I am dead to sin and alive unto righteousness. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me in judgment I shall show to be in the wrong. I prosper in everything I put my hand to. I have prospered in all areas of my life, spiritually, financially, mentally, and socially. I am kind and tender-hearted to others. I forgive them as God, as Christ has forgiven me. Next verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I let the peace of Christ rule in my heart as a member of one body. I am called to the peace and I am thankful. I am being strengthened with all power according to his might. I have great endurance and patience. Let's keep going. I am being strengthened with all power according to his might. I have great endurance and patience. God has not given me a spirit of fear. He has given me power, love, and self-discipline. God loads me daily with his benefits. He is my salvation. I am God's servant, and he takes pleasure in my prosperity. That's good. We got one more? I meditate on God's word day and night. I am successful and prosperous. God makes all grace abound towards me so that I am always have the sufficiency and abundance for every good work. I honor the Lord with my wealth and the first fruits of all my products. Then my barns will be filled with plenty. My vats will overflow with new wine. That's great. You may be seated. So what we did there is we're just con- we're we're taking God's promises, putting them in the first person and declaring them. We're declaring them over our lives. And when you do that, what you're doing is you're encouraging yourself in the Lord. And his word does not return void. So when you begin to declare God's word instead of the silly thoughts you have about your life and who you are, the spirit of God joins with you and begins to do the work in you. Does this make sense? And, 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 and I've talked to Christians, and I've been that Christian, uh, who just spews out negativity. Well, I'm going through a tough time, and I've been praying for my auntie for six months. She's only getting worse. And, you know, and we just begin to declare and speak things that are not of faith. How many hear what I'm saying? All right. So we can make a choice. We can make a choice to rejoice. Amen? God wants us to do this. So how many want to know why I gave the $300 to the dealer? Anybody want to know that? Okay. Verse, let's continue in verse 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. And I think that as believers, if we're going to live like Jesus and love like Jesus, we need to be considerate of others. We always judge others by their actions. We judge ourselves by our intentions. I'm going to say that again. We always judge others by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. And sometimes to be considerate means you're willing to put yourself in the other person's shoes and ask the question, why did they respond this way? Why are they feeling the way they're feeling? What's going on? And then you can begin to have conversation, and you can actually consider. That word consider actually in the King James is to be gentle with people. And so I was considering that I cost this guy some money, so I'm going to do the honorable thing, and I'm going to send a bit of money because I was the one that was the pursuer. Does that make sense? And so God wants us to uh, consider all we do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. 
Here's a question for you. Are your social media posts um, full of consideration? That's a question we have to ask ourselves. When we make a post online, are we considering the situation? Do you know, um, are we putting ourselves in another person's shoes? And there was a situation just recently. Hillsong always seems to be getting in trouble online. But Hillsong Church in New York, um, they had this post. Someone uh, put this post on, and they had... They were doing a number. How many remember the show, uh, the movie? I don't know if you've seen it. Um, the one about the circus. What's the name of that one? The Greatest Showman. It's a musical, and it, it, it's a movie. And so they were doing it. They, they actually had some dancers on stage, and they had costumes on and lights, and they were doing this dance on stage. And so these Christians went to the church, and uh, they took pictures of this and put it online and said, this, this, you know, these people aren't true Christians. It's all about the world. It's all, this is all they do, and they don't care about... And, and all this, I don't want to get into all the negativity that was spewed out, but they didn't consider. And what was really happening was they actually were putting on a couple songs. They were doing a performance of a couple songs, and they had prepped their church, saying to their church, listen, in a couple months, I want you to invite people that are far from God that would never come to church. It's an outreach Sunday. We're going to do a couple songs with costumes so that they, they, that's going to be the drawing card, and then I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to tell them about Jesus. They probably never heard the gospel. I'm going to preach the gospel. Now, you might be against showmanship on stage. Okay, we can have a conversation about that. But don't come and make an accusation. And don't, so don't see, so you're, you're, ju- you're judging them by their action, not by their intentions. Amen? And so as Christians, we have to learn uh, to judge people by their intentions, not by their actions. Amen? Let's go to Jude chapter 12, verse 17. If we, we'll go there, that'd be great. Now, be considerate in all you do because the Lord is coming soon. Jesus is coming back for a church without spot or without wrinkle. And that's why Paul is saying, I want you to consider because I'm coming back for a church without spot. What is a spot? He says here, my dear friends, you must remember what the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. Okay? They told you that in the last days there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith, praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. Amen? There are scoffers who are going to come in the end days whose purpose is to satisfy themselves because they don't have God's spirit. That's what the the scripture teaches, right? But we're to strengthen ourselves by praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. How many have the Holy Spirit here? So we need to pray and strengthen ourselves in the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? And verse 22 and 23 of Jude, it says this, And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Don't attack them. Don't get on Instagram and say, well, they're not really saved and they were an apostate Christian and blah, 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 blah. No, show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Reach out to them and say, hey, I love you. I, I'm praying for you, I, I, for the sake of your family and for your own soul. I love you. I want to see you turn to the truth. Show mercy. Say mercy, not judgment. And as you can tell in the last few weeks, I'm talking a lot about this. It's getting under my skin. Christians that sound like the devil online, commenting on every post and every preacher and everything, saying this is not of God and that is not of God and these people aren't saved and they're going to hell. It's like, get over it. 
Stop acting like the devil. Show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy still to others, but do so with great caution, hating the sin that un- that contaminates their lives. And so you, you hate sin, but you show mercy to the person. The God of this world, Satan, has blinded people from the truth. And, and even with other faiths and cults, Jehovah Witness, uh, Mormons, I used to argue with them and just be nasty to them. But that's stupidity when I look back because the reality is they're blind. And we need to come on bended knee and say, you need to turn to Jesus this, and give our testimony and share the truth with love and compassion and mercy with a tender heart. Is that all right? And let's give the Lord a hand. We can't, we can't use the word as a weapon against people. We need to use it to guide people instead. The word of God is a weapon against the enemy who has blinded their eyes. Going back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. I'm going to close this up in just a second. Philippians chapter 6. You guys getting anything out of this? Philippians 4, 6 and 7. And, you know, I'm the first person who will call sin, sin. That's, I'm not talking about living in a compromised state. I'm talking about having compassion and mercy in those that are. And trying to reach out with a heart of love instead of condemning. Because it doesn't do anything. It doesn't produce any fruit when we... When we you know, start attacking people because their doctrine's off a bit, they're going to find out when they get to heaven that I was right and they were wrong. So who cares? <laughs> right? I'm being silly. Okay, let's keep moving here. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Here's the next point. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all that he's done. And then you will experience God's peace. Say then. There's a lot of Christians that don't know God's peace. I don't know it every day, but I'm on a journey, and there's days where I know the peace of God. There's days where, and and you want me to explain it to you. I can't explain it to you because the next verse says, then you will experience the peace of God, which exceeds anything we can understand. So his peace will guard your hearts and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. So there's this place that if we apply these principles, there's a peace that will overtake us that you can't even explain to people. You can be like David and go, hey, yay, though I walk through the valley of death, I'm in the worst trial of my life. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. In the, in the deepest, darkest tragedies and trials of life, and we will have them, you're, gonna, you, you're not going to see the trial. You're going to see that God is with you. That is the peace that you, passes all understanding. You cannot explain it. How many have ever experienced that kind of peace? Let me see your hand. How many want to live in that kind of peace? Let me see your hand. Well, Paul is saying, if you will do these things, then you'll have the peace. Now, you're going to heaven, but it's like hell's bombarding you the whole way there. How many hear what I'm saying? And Paul is saying, here's a better way. So let's keep moving here. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Say, I've got to fix my thoughts. Think about what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So we need to train ourselves to think correctly. It's our job. God won't do it. The Holy Spirit is not the doer. He's the helper. So if you're praying, saying, God, I want you to come and change me, he's going to say, no, change yourself with the help of the Spirit. He'll help you, but you make the decision. Does that make sense? Okay, let's go on to the next verse. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, Then, say then, 
the God of peace will be with you. Now, Melanie, I'm going to have you put up that last PowerPoint. And we're just going to, if you're taking notes, take these notes or take a picture with your phone. The way to inner peace is, number one, settle your disagreements. Unless the person doesn't want to settle it, settle it in your heart. But if they're willing to talk, settle your disagreements. Number two, always be full of joy in the Lord. Make a choice. Even if you don't feel like it, say, I choose to be full of joy and begin to declare the truth. Read the word. Number three, be considerate. Before you cast judgment on another, be considerate. Those are the three we talked about today, so they're underlined. Number four, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about it. Number five, be thankful. Number six, fix your thoughts on the right stuff. And number seven, keep practicing these six things, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen? See, I'm saved and on my way to heaven. You're saved and on your way to heaven. But what, what I love about the word is you begin to read it, and you get excited. You're like, oh, I just got to tweak this. I just got to make a little change here, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have more peace in my life. How, how many here? It, it's not, it's not a, a workspace, but God has also created us for good works. And so we want to walk in those works so we can have the freedom and victory he wants us to have as an overcoming church. Amen? You guys get anything out of this today? So we settle our disagreements, always full of joy in the Lord. Be considerate. Don't worry about anything, about, but pray about it. Be thankful. Fix your thoughts on the right stuff and keep practicing these things. Why don't we stand together and we'll pray? The Bible says all we need to do is put our faith in Jesus Christ and we shall be saved. There's nothing you can do. Religion says if I do this and this and this and this, I'll appease God and then he'll accept me at the end of this thing. And there's nothing we can do because the Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked, right? Who can, who can understand it? So we need to receive the free gift of salvation by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. And if you're in this place today, and we just I want everyone to put their head down for a moment. Maybe you've known, you've been to church, been to Sunday school, been to different Christian type of events, but you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus and said, you know, I can't fix myself. I need you to fix me. I need you to come and send your spirit and make me holy. And I, I just want you to be my Lord and Savior. I want you to change me from the inside out. I want to begin a journey with you that's going to bring me, ultimately set me up for heaven, but set me up to have victory over all the attacks of my life so that I can walk with you through them. If that's you in this place and you don't know the Lord, I want you to lift your hand up right now. Just lift up your hand. I want to pray with you. It seems like everybody here is saved on fire. It's awesome. And if you're in this place today and you're just saying, I, I, want, to, I want to begin to um, look at the, the, these promises and begin to live between the lines more, I want you to pray with me. Say, Heavenly Father, we love your word. We thank you that you're a relationship-based God and you want to spend time with us. And you're jealous for our affection. And you want us to grab the truths of the word of God and apply them to our life so that we can live in your presence and experience you on a daily basis. I don't want to just wait till I get to heaven. I want to get to heaven and feel like, hey, you know, I, I get to see you again. Father, come today by your spirit and 
touch my heart in a deeper way. I thank you that my family, my household shall be saved. I trust you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.